because I got into this job to tell people stories. And somewhere along the way, that morphed into telling a story or painting a picture for people of what happened on this day at this time when I was there. And then that morphed into these people really care about something and it's not getting done. This is affecting how everyone lives and this needs to be addressed. At the center of it, I would say I'm an empathetic person. Hi, this is Stephanie Fallon. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have journalist Katie Tabling, who is the government reporter for local newspaper Ocean City Today. She started with the student newspaper at her and my alma mater, Washington College, and has since worked with news organizations in Delaware, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and now Maryland. In addition to journalism, she is also a nonfiction writer and is currently working on several essays. So welcome to the podcast, Katie. Well, it's great to be here with my good friends. Well, I'm delighted to have you. And one of the reasons why I love to have you here is because... For the moment, we all three share something in common that we don't always share with our guests, which is we're, we were all journalists. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was for like a hot second. I, I always forget about you. I know. See, I'm, I'm like the, the dark horse that comes she in. Has, she has great stories about sweaty people at the Daily Times. That, it's actually <laughs> also the reason why I know Tony, because I think we first met about in 2015. I interviewed you for your book. It's very rare that I'm not that I'm the subject because usually I'm like oh yes I interviewed you like I interviewed Stephanie about her book and yep. you interviewed me about my book and then we'll get another protege and they'll interview me about my book and you know what and this circle will be complete one of the things <laughs> that I really really love about um, community journalism is that and it's the thing that I took pride in sometimes you feel very dark but I always took pride in being able to make people feel important and you go out and you talk to someone and you're like hi and and this is kind of what this podcast is about is like hey i think you have a cool story to tell i think people would like to listen to it and everyone is always so really surprised you know they're like tell me really so and you get to tell them and you take their picture and you put them in the paper and they're so happy and i always thought that that was a little a little cliche and then katie's like hi i'd like to talk to you about your upcoming book i'm like of course you would how, how awesome is that you know <laughs> I, I i got to feel i got the the pleasure of feeling that importance of being interviewed instead of bestowing that importance on people well cliches are cliches for a reason yeah. because most often they're true and that's kind of i that's actually why i got into journalism in the first place when i came to washington college i thought i wanted to be a fiction writer and then i realized i was no good at it obviously considering where I am today. But I started with The Elm, the Washington College newspaper, and I did stories for theater, um, the theater kids, and I would interview the seniors putting on senior plays. And they were just so impassioned by everything. And I remember one mother came up to me after her son's um, show went on and she said well thank you so much for doing this this is so wonderful we have it on our fridge and we look at it every day and we're so proud of him and that that feeling kind of it's weird you go into i've been into people's homes and seen my byline i've been into mm-hmm. businesses and seen my byline hanging on the wall and mm-hmm. it's like wow you really cared about that because i barely remember right. doing it and i guess that's kind of what keeps me humble no yeah. matter how hard it gets these days especially with the current political climate and 
I would say, uh, borderline, not animosity, but you know, there's some hostility, hostility towards journalism these days, uh, journalists these days. It's, you know, it, it's hard to get bogged down in that, but you know, there's things like that, that really do. It's nice. Yeah. And actually one woman, I was taking a photo at a event today and one woman came up to me and she said i love your paper because years ago somebody did a story about this little girl and i recommended they do this story and you guys meant so much for her and i'm just like well we are making a difference and people are reading us yeah people people do take it seriously to be in the local paper and as people so one of the things like if you want to tell important stories and also eat mm-hmm. you always have to think about well how am i going to get digital how am i going to get right. my next story sold and things like that and so it's nice to say well people people still read the paper and they're happy to see their picture in it and they're happy to see their story in it and they do they do know it there was a there's a a guy i'm uh friendly with on twitter i think his name is john kelvey he Mm-hmm. He covers Elkton. He covers the, that that crotch part of it. Yeah, that's own. that's why the name sounds familiar. Yeah, and and uh, and he he tweeted something about how people you know never remember where they saw something online, and and I'm like, yeah, they don't remember where they saw it in print either. You know, they they're it's like, true. oh yeah, I saw that in the paper. Like, you know, didn't I see that story in the paper? Yeah, you did. And but I I I wrote that, but also ten other people wrote it at the same time. It's so, true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, one of the things that uh, so I was uh, I was I was a journalist for a hot <laughs> summer, literally a hot summer, and one of the things that I found taxing about it was sometimes you get a story, and for example, like when I was uh, when I was at the Times, like sometimes there would be this thought that hey, let's go get this story, and you go chase it, and it's kind of not there, but there was still this kind of. <laughs> That has never, if I come out, there is a story. Because yes. If, if you invest right. the time to go. Exactly. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's stories <laughs> like I've said, okay, well, this is how it is. And I come out like completely wrong and my perspective has completely changed. You still write the story. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the other part too that um, I found pretty, pretty daunting was every day is a deadline. And not that, not that I had a beef with that, but I think for me personally, I want every piece of my writing to be a showcase. And when you're in the newspaper business, it doesn't work like that. You got a deadline. You got to meet the words. It's got to be there. Yeah, 500 words, whether you need them or not. Yeah, like absolutely. you get, I, I, I don't know what your experience is, but when I was a newspaper reporter, if I did 10 really good stories a year, I was, that's a lot. Uh, it's like, you just everything can't be you don't have the time to make everything your best but then when you do have it when you get your hands we were talking about this before the before the tape started rolling when you do get your hands on a story that's good you're like i'm gonna honor this story because this story is worth telling well i would kind of disagree in saying you know not the, the deadline okay I, we're different people. So my sure. experience is, wow, I have to write at least two stories at the end of the day. Let's make them the best we can. And it was, it was really daunting when I got into that. And that, because when I first started, one of my internships was with a daily, a great daily paper in Wisconsin, Kenosha news. And I was just a lowly intern and they would throw me all the press releases. Nobody else wanted to do. But by the end of the summer, I was writing three stories in eight hours 
And so, and, and it's a really powerful thinking, uh, feeling to have. It's a powerful feeling to have because I felt like I was putting in my best work because you, if you look at it like this, you're constrained to a certain amount of inches as the newspaper business yeah. goes or words. I forget what the exact amount was. I think 15 inches around is around 600 words. Yeah, 500 so, and, yeah. 500 have, is a foot. Yeah, you have to capture your reader like that and you have to hook them you have to get them to keep going so you can be creative you can be informative in your lead but you know you have to get them to read the story and you can there's so many different ways of doing that and i love to do that and i love exploring all the different ways so you love the challenge oh yes i love the challenge Uh, i never make things easy for myself (laughs) ever (laughs) writers said not to do that I was actually thinking about this today. I've been. I've, it's rare that I come up with a question way in advance. But it this, is. But oh, this is. But I'm this special. is one of. I want to talk about the difference between fiction and nonfiction. We have a lot of fiction writers on here, mm-hmm. um, and what's uh, what's weird about fiction is that it has to make sense, and nonfiction just has to be compelling because real life doesn't make sense. But novels have to – like if you read a novel and it doesn't tie up if, – if you're like, hey, this is a novel and it doesn't tie up, you're a little dissatisfied. But if you read a piece of nonfiction and it's ambiguous, you're like, well, life's ambiguous and that's fine. And so as you go through writing nonfiction – you have a little bit of license to not tie it up in a neat bow in a way fiction writers don't, right? Well, I suppose it just, for me, I, it's the inverse of the challenge with me with that, because with fiction, you're responsible for accounting, creating and accounting for everything in that world. A world has to make sense in fiction. Right. And that was so incredibly daunting to me. And I, when I first was writing short stories when I was a kid, it, it always had like circle back to my life and I would just change the names and right. make it slightly different. So, you know, because I was, I couldn't know, know how to imagine anything outside my life, I guess say, say what you will about <laughs> Newark, Delaware, where I grew up, but I, I don't know how I write it. I write essays because it helps me process my world or the world around me. I don't think, necessarily those two things are the same all all the time they overlap in some cases and that's just how i look at it i i'm a consummate perfectionist so in a way writing these kind of essays is a way for me to revisit this issue where i could have or a matter or a moment in my life where something beautiful and perfect happened or i could have done better and I'm trying to forgive myself for not being the person I am today and rewriting and, re- and going over that and trying to change things how they were. But, you know, I guess that's part of the chase, too, with me, the challenge. So when you approach – and this is what, think, something that I would find interesting to, to know. When you are a journalist and you are just the facts, you have to be as unbiased as possible and you have to get in and hook that reader – then when you decide, you know what, I, I kind of need a break, I'm going to write a nonfiction essay. For you, 
how do you how do you make that transition? Because I would think your brain might sort of be like kind of trained into being like just the facts in out, no bias. But when you write nonfiction, there's nothing that says in nonfiction you can't have your personal narrative bleed in or who you are bleed into it. You're not supposed to have that in your day job, but then when you decide to write an you know an essay, you can do that. So for you, how do you? work that transition or how does that transition feel for you it's funny because only recently i'm getting into writing rewriting or i'm getting back into writing essays because i needed i do need a break from my day job i've been at this for two years two almost two wonderful years at the ocean ocean city today but there's some stories you can't get into every nitty gritty detail because again that time that time constraint you have to put in, uh, you have with your day job and the word count limit. And I just, I needed to separate myself <laughs> a so little funny. bit. You have to like, if you, if you're like, I would like to write something important, they were like, okay, well you can write it in six weeks, six weeks from now. We think we can give you 1500 words, right? Well, I, I have never <laughs> had that happen to me, but <laughs> you've been at the game longer than me, Tony, but it's just my, my nonfiction essays for now, I don't know what I'm going to do in the future, focus mainly on what I've experienced and what I have seen. So obviously there's a bias to that. And sometimes it's very, very easy to just write, this is what happened. This is what happened. And sometimes, sometimes you can get a little description tinted with a little, I don't want to say bias per se, but perspective, your perspective on the situation. I've been in court cases where defendants cry when they get sentenced or they are, they smile when they're not convicted, things like that. And you can add that in the story because you were in the room. You saw that happen. Whether or not you think that's a good thing is up to you. But it's just – it's very difficult, and I'm learning, I guess, is the answer to my question. And I think I'm succeeding in learning when to take off the mask and when not to. Yeah, I would think that would be – I think that would be – a difficult choice that would probably come with experience and with moving through different stories and encountering a story as a journalist. And then, you know, because you can't separate, I, I would think journalist Katie from Katie, Katie, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to be the but same. Where person. does, where does the one end? One is the other. Exactly. Begin? Exactly. Well, and is that where you, that's what I think, honestly, right. because I got into this job to tell people stories and somewhere along the way that morphed into, telling a story or painting a picture for people of what happened on this day at this time when I was there. And then that morphed into these, these people really care about something and it's not getting done. This is affecting how everyone lives. And this is, this needs to be addressed. You know, it, at the center of it, I would say I'm an empathetic person, whether I'm trying to understand how people work and why they do the things they do with profile pieces or understand why things the way are the way they are and why is always the question I'm asking. Well, and that's, and that's the fifth W, right? You know, there is this, I don't want to call it a fiction, but like there's nothing. Objectivity is kind of a myth, right? We, no one has the God's eye view of everything. You are a person who like, when you're at a council meeting, you're not the transcriptionist. What you're saying is, if I were, I am a citizen, and people spoke for two hours, if you read this for 
10 minutes, I will tell you what the most important things they said were. Five minutes. Five minutes. I will tell you what the most important things they said were. And you have to choose the most important things that they said over that course of five minutes. So there is that. It's not... It's not a bias, but it's also not objective. It's like this is what, as a person, this is what I think is important. You know, you that's 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 the facts of it. You know, you you have to say if you care about civics generally, these are the things you need to know, because otherwise you could have gone to the meeting or you could have listened to the four hours right. of them droning on and on and on and making smaller points. But I'm going to take all of their smaller points. I'm going to sum them up the best way I know how. And you're going to have to live with that permanently. And I have to live with that. And you you have to live with that, especially going – because when you're watching a story develop, you you can put something in a story and you can say, I'm documenting this because when it comes up later, it's important that I said – Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Elaborate on that. I'm sorry. It, we're, it, we're, we're talking and no one else knows it, what we're it's talking ha- about. It's, it's really hard because some I try not to think about it, but in some way I do get to I do get to pick and choose. Yeah, you have to. What what goes in the article and what gets noticed. But, you know, I like to think I'm using my powers for good air quotes here. Yeah. And I'm discussing things that aren't discussed or they shouldn't they aren't discussed as often as they should be and you know i don't control what people say if you say something shocking then you better believe it'll be in the paper if you say it in a public forum and and and, and there's that you know? there's that there's always that tension where you see as a reporter and as a news consumer when you I always and this is this is this is my bias and I'll say it right out loud. Um, when I go to when I covered council meetings and whenever when I covered uh, commissioners meetings, I always saw them as like children at a tea party. They're like, this is how politicians behave. So their suits are too big, their hats are too floppy, and they go for sound bites. And you're like, oh my god, that's awful. But also, it's true. It's it is true. Yeah. I you know I can't say I've grown up a lot. I, I in the last two years with my real job. I've, then again, if you look at, I've been at this job longer than I think I have, and yet I have you know miles to go. But I really did learn a lot about what politics is by starting this job, and I never, I like I thought I knew what the term politics or playing politics meant but you know, i really had no clue until i started this job and i'm not going to go as far as what you said i will say this because <laughs> she's still employed by a paper I, I will i, I will you i will right say now. i will say this i i have learned that politicians are people people citizens elect who we believe can do the best job, and usually the, that belief comes out of many promises that person has made. We do not elect the smartest or the most able person to do that job. We elect the people we think can do the best. They can represent do. us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, again, those beliefs don't line up. But there's the hope there, right? It is a, there is a hope there, and it's very. And that's the tension in my job every single day. The residents want one thing: a better community. And 
so do the elected officials, but they also want to stay. They have their own. They're coming from different perspectives. perspectives. They're coming from different walks of life. It's seven points of view on that council, and it's a sight to watch. <laughs> so when you're when you are as a journalist, when you go to approach a story, are there are you able to kind of say, okay, well this. I mean, I don't know. Are you given certain stories or are you able to kind of like, is like a, a newsroom buffet? Like they say, hey, these are the 10 stories. What amongst these would you like to do? I mean, how do you go ab- about the stories that you want to go through? I mean, with Ocean City Today, I will tell you, I, I, I'm not going to speak to everybody else. But because in the internships and other papers I've worked with, they've handed me the stories. They told me, um, this is what you're going to do. Right. Except for the one time I broke a story that everyone thought wasn't going to be a success in an internship, but whatever. Um, in Ocean City today, when I first started the job, it was in the middle of winter. It's a slow season. So I had a lot of time to get my bearings. And I followed the council and I just reported everything they ever said, every item on their agenda. And that's how I learned. They have subcommittees and I went to all those. And you just, this time goes on, you start to understand what issues are going to be, are more important to the representatives and the citizens. And somewhere along the way, I've picked up police. I picked up a little bit of court. So when there's some crime, you just have to follow that through the system and see where it goes. And others, along along the way, you just start, I don't know. I, I, I live in West Ocean City, so when I drive into town, I always look around and see what's going on and just let my mind wander and where, where things are going. And I don't know if I'm making any sense about this question. So the first time that I interviewed for a newspaper job, so my first newspaper job I got because I was a warm body and I was covering right. the Del Mar School Council. Um, but when I wanted to go to become a professional at my first interview, they're like, what did you like? It was a killer interview question that I would love to use on someone that I don't like. Uh, but it was, so what did you notice on your way here today? And, and it just, I'm like, I, 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 I couldn't answer that question. I was, and now between my home and my office, I, I come up with, 30 stories right. it's something that you're trained to do like when you're when you're first starting right. you're like oh my god i have to find something to write about and the older you get and the more experienced you get you're like oh my god i have to choose from the 75 stories i came up with between the time i left my home and the time i got to the office because you're like oh why does that happen you learn more about the why right as you go on right and it's you're just going through your daily life and you you can't turn it off. You can't. And once it gets turned off. <laughs> That's why you have to start doing essays. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully someday I'll start doing some nonfiction essays about my perspective of how things are. And we'll see how that goes. But, you know, it truly is just driving into work. I go over the 50 bridge. I always look out to the jetty and then I look into the bay. And one day I noticed there was seagulls like standing in the water. And I wondered why. And, that, and now I know why. It's because of the shalling issue in Ocean City. And, the, and fishermen are so worried about that. No one knows that. about that. Please tell the whole story. Oh, the whole story? <laughs> Briefly. The idea, okay, shalling is 
sand, uh, the, when the waves come in and crash on the beach, they're taking a bit of sand away with them. And that sand is getting deposited into larger sandbars, as I call them. The idea is they are taking them from Ocean City's beach and depositing them or moving them towards the Assateague Island jetty and Stinky Beach. If you know where that is, it's in West Ocean City, the small Homer, whatever, it, the small beach in West Ocean City. Yep, used to be Shantytown for the old locals. Okay. Yeah. And so boats get stuck aground there now and it's it's a big problem i think one of them did in 2016 i'm 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 100% sure one got um went aground on on one of those sandbars in 2016 i think one had the same issue this year i'm not 100% sure but yeah it it's kind of a big issue and a lot of fishermen are worried about it cuz again it costs like hundreds of thousands of dollars to a of damage to a boat and and it's just from noticing why are those seagulls yeah, there on your way to work? Oh, why is that there? And listening to some fishermen talk and raising their concerns to Congre- Congressman Andy Harris. I was in the room for that, and they brought up some very interesting points, and I'm never going to look at that beach the same way. Looking around and developing stories as it goes on. And and you develop – when I was hired, I inherited a list of contacts from my predecessor. And on that list was – I would say about five names he highlighted as important. In my first week there, I called them and I introduced myself and asked what they think was important in Ocean City. And as I've gone on, I've developed my own list of contacts, my own sources of people I call and have just conversations with, not interviews, conversations with, to see what's what's going on, what do they think. Uh, Maybe this is a thing I should look into. This is... I don't know. A lot of people are talking about this. A lot of people are talking about this, but really it's because they didn't read the paper a month ago where we already solved this issue. Nothing more frustrating. Right. I've been thinking lately because I I would say I would, I've been thinking because summer is a very, very stressful time for everybody in ocean city. And because everyone's working in ocean city, we're writing about what's happening in ocean city when people are working and playing and, being tourists and right, things yeah. like that. And so it's a very stressful job right now. And to calm myself down, I, I have I have this mantra in my head. In the 1920s, papers were printed daily. Yesterday's news does not matter because they used to wrap fishes in it. Right. And it it helps keep things in perspective. So I've, I've also worked at dailies and weeklies, mm-hmm. and I think weeklies are worse. Mm-hmm. I... So in a day, if you work at a daily, you have 365 days a year. When you work at a weekly, you have 52 days in your year. Right. And that is something that you just, like, I think there should be, like, a recovery program for people who have it's- gone from weekly newspapers <laughs> to anything else because you're, you only think in weeks and you have the, so you have the two biases. So bias number one is... There are 52 days in the year. And bias number two is people are like, why isn't anybody talking about that? And you're like, because I wrote about it yeah. six months ago and you didn't notice. It's, it's the struggle right and there. And I hate you very much right now. And yeah. Ocean City is a very interesting market for a journalist because there's not one, not two, three papers. Or three, five. five, if you're going to be fair. Who, who are the other two? So you have, are we going to do this now? All right. So there's the Gannett products, if you count them all by themselves. So you have the Worcester County Times. Oh. 
Five, so there's five. This, this isn't going to make it. This is probably going to get good. Okay. <laughs> there are five papers, according to Tony. So sure, five papers. Tony, there are multiple. There are, mul- there are many papers covering Ocean City. Some of them branch out, obviously, to the whole Delmarva Peninsula. But there's at least two that I'm aware of that only cover Ocean City. As like its main market, right? I would say that, but yeah, it's it's a constant struggle. But and it was really interesting because I had to move from a daily to a weekly, and again at the end of my internship at that great paper, I learned so much there. I was doing, I was pushing three stories a day, and here <laughs> it was. Yeah, six, ten a week, right? Yeah, it was, it was really difficult. And because some stories require more time to develop, you know, and I, I'm a very persistent kind of person. When somebody doesn't answer a phone call, I'll have another phone number I can call them at. If they're not going to answer that one, then I'll email them. And if they're not going to answer that, I'm going to Facebook them. And then I'll try calling them. That's how it was in daily. <laughs> well, and, and, and so it's, it's interesting only because our age differences are showing here. I had the luxury of being able to say, I'm writing a story for this week's paper. This is what it's going to say. If you don't like what I just said, you can call me back. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a different reporter tactic, Tony. Really that's, totally not like a, that's not an age difference. There is no, there is I, no I better way to get a return phone call by telling them the whole narrative and saying, this is what the story says. If you have a problem with that, you can let me know. Otherwise... I'm sure it'll be fine with you and your press secretary won't call me when when Friday comes around and the papers are out and, and I, yeah. you know, said what a boob you were. But, yeah, it's it's a constant struggle. But I do enjoy weeklies because they do give me some time to start looking around more and developing stories. I recently published a story earlier in July and that took a lot of finagling to get done. It was interviewing two J1 kids who lived in West Ocean City. They had like 20 What room- are J1 kids, please? Uh, they are f- international students that are here in Ocean City. I believe others in Worcester County, but pr- predominantly Ocean City, on a work visa. They're here to work in the summertime. And Ocean City is a prime market to have these kids because labor is needed during the busy season. And this story interviewed two two young ladies who lived in a very well-kept house in West Ocean City. And they lived with 20 roommates, and they're all very well spread out. And But some of them came from not-so-great living situations in Ocean City. They told me their door wasn't locked because the door jam was busted. There was a hole in the floor, things like that. And Ocean City recently... Well, not recently. Ocean City a year ago revamped their regulations on housing for specifically for these kids not to get stuffed in like small units. And as a side effect of that, some of them are now some of the J one kids are now going over to West Ocean City. So it's a very complex issue, and I'm glad I with a weekly I can get some time to develop it. Yeah. Yeah, develop it and explore different or all aspects of it because. You have the city officials and the planning and zoning department. You have the county and their regulations. You have the people actually living it. And then you have the people making the laws. Mm. Do, you know, Sometimes there's a disconnect with the people who are making the laws and the rules and the people who are actually living with those rules. And it's very interesting 
that's a placeholder world. It is very, <laughs> it's very evocative to explore that disconnect sometimes. It's one of the great pleasures of my job, I think. Is going between <clears throat> what is and what should be. Yes. Yeah. So when you're going after a story, and are there moments, I'm sure there are, but when you're going after a story, like you're talking to these two young women, are there moments where in that story you're like, man, I really want to write that, but I can't because I don't feel like I want to expose them or I don't want to, ah. you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, are there moments where you get caught between the Why job as a journalist, them? you know, and then a storyteller? Because I think for me that that's kind of where, where I got uncomfortable with journalism or not uncomfortable, but where I kind of disconnect. You don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin it, but also there's, what do you mean by ruin? So, let me refer. So, for example, when you're pursuing a story and you're talking to someone and you realize that there is backstory to what's pertinent to your article, and ha- do you have to make a choice of what you leave in and what you leave out to either save that person from either being embarrassed or, you know, I mean, because I feel like when you're doing journalism, it's all human interest, right? But uh, at the same time, you want to kind of take care of your subjects. You don't want to embarrass them or kind of put them out there. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But it's it's the same logic as I look at calling out celebrities for doing dumb things. They chose this job. I'm I'm speaking only to elected officials right now. Well, I'm sort of speaking to all your subjects. Right. Well, but I have many subjects. Well, exactly. That's that's a difficulty. Yeah, like, I think it's one thing for... Each case requires a different... Each story requires a different approach. Exactly. For elected officials, obviously, game, on. game right. on. This is kind of what they voted for. This is this is what they you chose need to, to step you into. You need to know what people are saying in your name. Right. Right. And but with crime stories, there are charging documents that prove not prove. There are charging documents that say. Yeah. <laughs> By the police. Okay, let me rephrase this. There, with crime stories, getting a name out there is completely different than protecting a source because at that point, the law, the laws alleging you committed, you you broke. I'm not doing this right. Well, sorry. May, may I tell a story briefly? Yes. Yeah, so right. I never said anything bad about the Worcester County Board of Education because they had enough troubles. Now. The people who were running the board were morons, and the people who were like they said a lot of dumb things and they said a lot of evocative things. And as a reporter, you just let them go because you understand that education is already under enough of attack. You don't have to put, you don't have to say, "Oh wow, look what an idiot this person is." You right. know, but why? Sh- they're elected, though. Well, they 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 are they are they are elected, but there is a a sub conversation that's always going on. And as a reporter, you need to know that you're being used by both by all people who have interest in the story. So you have the Worcester County commissioners in this case who want to reduce the amount of money they're going to pay. For education, and you want to, ha- and you have the Worcester County Worcester County Board of Education who wants more money than the county commissioners 
are willing to give them. And you are the pawn between them. That They're both vying for your spin on the story and your decision on how to cover it has a real world effect. So you try to let the blathering go on both sides so that you kind of dig down into, you know, this is what, this is what person A wants and this is what person B wants and this is why they want it. But if you, say that, hey, this person said this moronic thing, it spins a story, and they did say it, and they are public officials, but if you point out that they said this moronic thing, it spins a story for no good reason, is my experience. See, I disagree with everything you just said up until that last (laughs) statement. Are... Are. I'm the only reporter in the room. My job is to report the truth, but to minimize harm. Right. And in my opinion, elected officials <laughs> say the things they say, specifically in Ocean City, because they're all mic'd. They tape the meetings. They just, and they run them. They broadcast them. So they know exactly what they're saying, and they know exactly it's reaching these people it's all spun it's all right. spun well before anyone here they already they already know they already know that before they come into that room and sit down in that chair so in my opinion if they said it that's fair that's fair play right there but i'm not going to sit in a courtroom with you know multiple victims of this horrific crime and report what they said, because if I do that, I have to identify them. And what, what good would that do anybody that would not do that would not help anyone? You know, the criminals though, the, or the alleged criminals, those who were, those who were charged in these cases, you know, ocean city police have documentation saying that they committed this crime. It's in writing. Therefore, that's also, that's a public record. I read every week. And therefore, that is also fair play. You know, it's a fine line to walk. But going back to Stephanie's original question about background, when you speak to a subject and you find out there is way more under the surface than you originally thought, sometimes stories take longer to develop. Right. And in those cases, there have been cases like that where I do weigh and say to myself, "What? how would I benefit the public, the community that is going to read this and whoever will read it online after that? How will reporting this story in this fashion with what I have to work right now help anyone? Will it get to the truth, the heart of the matter? Or is this something that needs to be handled in installments. Does this not need to be reported right. at all? Does it need to be a creative Featured, essay? Yeah. You know? Right. Or is this something that I'm learning through my day job, but to protect a victim or to, you know, whatever the case may be, this may be something I end up doing in my personal career as a writer because right you know you your day job i mean you get paid to be a writer every day right you know you're a journalist you know i get i get paid to be a truth teller every day that's awesome. that's like the there key difference advocate right for there. truth an advocate for truth katie tabling yes, that'll be a business card there you go. <laughs> we'll get you a t-shirt with that um and then but then the side piece is that you know 
whether you're a journalist or whether you're you know, a writer or like an indie book publisher, there's something about the written word that has always inspired us, which means we're always going to be, regardless of what we do from nine to five, there's always going to be us as a writer at the end of the day. Right. And the things that you're experiencing, you know, crime victims, weirdo politicians, you know, (laughs) a town that booms and, you know, that explodes and then, you know, goes dormant. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen to you that's going to feed into who you are as a writer, a writer, not as a journalist, as a, as a writer on the other side. Oh yeah. And for you, what is, what is that transition like? Or have you seen that transition move? Or? Well, it's very, it's a very rough transition. <laughs> it's a very, very rough one. Um, I'm half kidding. It's, you know, because we see each other, you know, for example, you know, I'm working with people's manuscripts every day and they're from all over and I meet all these people from all these different backgrounds, all these different backstories. And then they give me their manuscript and it's my job to bring it to life. You meet people on the street and it's your job to bring their story to life in print. But then we go home and we've got a, we've got our own work to do. It's when I say it's a rough transition, it's because... I think I'm, it's because I'm growing older, not that old, obviously I'm only 25, but there are some stories that like with any good writing and that will just grip you and never leave you Absolutely, never. And my creative writing, I've been getting back into it is a way that I can reconcile that. Right. You know, in a, in some in some outlet and help put that demon to rest. You know, it, because there's things that are going to follow you home. Yes, and that's it, the most difficult part of this job. Some things just won't. Journalism never ends at the office. And the reason why I picked this job, also, the other reason why I picked this job was because I could not stand being in a cubicle eight hours a day. Right journalists you they say you don't know what you're going to do well if you're in a certain job long enough and you know your beat you have a vague idea what you're going to do councils on monday um planning and zoning commission is on tuesday you have a court case here you this day you'll read all the police reports i'm going to make these calls here i'm going to go out to this event i'm going to drive out all the way up to 150 uh, 45th street and interview some people and find out X, Y, and Z, you know, it's a job that takes you wherever you, wherever your bosses will let you go and wherever you want to go. And it's one of the most beautiful things about it because especially with Eastern shore, cause I'm not a native here. It's completely different from what I grew up with. And it's, it was, a that was also a really rough transition understanding why people thought the way they thought. But you know, the longer I'm living here, the more I'm starting to understand what is important to these people, to the people living here. Right. Understanding the culture culture. of the Eastern shore as to why we've made these decisions, why we've put these people in power, why these issues are important and why Mm -hmm. we feel the way we do about these issues. Right. And my job is to record all of that. It's the understanding that is an added bonus for me as a writer. Yeah. And then you take it home, and then you get to make something really awesome out of it later. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Do you know it's hardly ever true? Your limericks. Hardly ever. And they're hardly ever good. <laughs> no, sometimes they're good. Like 80, 80, 
Yeah, I meant to say 30, but 30 minus 5 but is 80, but 30% of the time. Sure. I, I'm sorry for that for that pot shot at your at your limericks, That's Tony. That's okay. I'll live. You will. So how can people have them if they want them? So if you like what you're hearing, you can go to the So What's Your Story podcast dot com website you can click on contact us give us your name your email give us your address and if you pick a word tony will put it into a limerick i will put it into a haiku and stephanie will put it into a haiku and then we will put it on a fancy schmancy postcard which are in the mail we will get them any minute now yeah, actually, uh, Brian Robertson. Uh, oh, wait, I don't know if I can say his name. Let me go back. Because I don't know if I can see his name on the air yet. Okay. Is he, is he? No, because I think he has a, some kind of thing with his employer, like a non compete thing. I oh. don't know. I don't know if I can say his name. I'm sorry. I take it all back. Yeah, I take it all back. Um, so we'll put it on a fancy schmancy postcard, which we are about to get. Uh, I think t- Friday. We'll we'll be getting our new batch of those coming to us, and uh, so we'll put your name and your. Limer- oh my god, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I tore this all up. Why don't we? Do you know what's hardly never true? Your limericks. Oh, sorry. Ready? Right. Go. You know what's hardly ever true? Your limericks. That's right. How can people get them? Well, if you like what you're hearing, you can go to the so what's your story podcast dot com website. If you give us your name, your email, and you give us a, a mailing address, and you also give us a word, Tony will make that word into a limerick. I will make it into a haiku. We will put it on a brand new fancy postcard that we just had made up just for this podcast, and we'll write them on there. We will put a stamp on it, and we'll pay a guy to bring it to your house. Just like it's 1856. It might come on a pony. <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Now it's part of the show where you thank the guest. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. Well, thank you all for having me. So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatYourStoryPodcast.com where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And if you feel like it, then feel free to give us a good review. Tell your story.